I just feel like the church has been invented by, you know, some kind of queer guy, you know, like just a ceremony, you know, like okay. acknowledging, you know, a man who never got married, who had It's like you know, 12 apostles <laughs> with him. Right. Um, <laughs> there is something very queer in there. Yeah. I feel like you just described the plot line of season one of Queer's Folk. A hundred percent. Well, hello, I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where queer folks call every mini golf course in the Fort Myers phone book until they find one with both a brontosaurus and a pirate ship. Because sometimes real freedom means not having to choose. That's right, every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. Oh boy, oh boy, I love mini golf. I'm bad with a sports reference, um, but fortunately mini golf has almost none. So <laughs> I was able to become a quick master. I've also been playing since I was a child. Some quick facts looking back uh, about me and mini golf once upon a time, my poor dad My brother and I got into a screaming match on the mini golf green in God knows where. I want to say Myrtle Beach. Uh, March break Myrtle Beach is my guess. And my brother and I were screaming at each other to the point where we started picking up the rocks from alongside the mini golf course and throwing them at one another. I think we just had to shut the whole operation down and no one won that day in every sense of the word. But as an adult, thanks to mood regulation, what am I tipping my hat to? Psychotherapy, always. Thanks to psychotherapy, I can enjoy mini golf without anyone getting hurt. Nary a rock is picked up. Uh, I went to Fort Myers actually uh, in the fall for work. I think it was the fall, very quickly. And I played mini golf. I was there by myself and I thought, I am here. I'm playing mini golf. This is my time. Uh, and of course, in front of me and behind me are groups, families, dates, uh, situations, you know, groups who should be going to mini golf. And then there's me by myself smiling the whole time, which is very disconcerting. So people are like, what's happening? Is he on drugs? Is he, is this kind of like final bucket list checkoff situation? Like, why are you here by yourself? Elated, elated. I played through and I never cheat, even when I'm by myself, you know, because God is watching and it was fine. I got one hole in one, which is always the goal. I just want to get one. Uh, and then I got to the end and was handing back my mini pencil to this woman, this sweet little mini golf lifer. This woman who I want to say was mid-60s, maybe early 70s, and she pitied me, quite frankly. I remember the expression when I handed back my mini pencil, and she was like, uh, do you want a sticker? <laughs> she was like, I know 
someone did you wrong and I can't fix it, uh, but I'm going to try. So she gave me a sticker and then she said, do you want to uh, spin the wheel? There was some kind of like little wheel, toy wheel I could spin to win a prize. And I said, yeah, absolutely, of course. I was coming off a mini golf high. Uh, so I spun the wheel. I did not win. And she kind of looked left and right and goes, you can spin one more time. So I did and did not win. And then uh, she felt bad for me, but obviously not bad enough to bend the rules because she was like, well, at least we tried. And then she sent me off on my way, sans prize, but it was fine. It was a great time. Unfortunately, that course did also have a water feature with live alligators, which is not okay. It should never. And there was a little placard indicating that this was actually a type of sanctuary and was coupled with a fact about alligator sort of conservation, like a did you know fact. And I was like, no, 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 no. You can't wash this in a way where you're helping to keep alligators safe. This is a cage. Anyway, I did not know the alligators were there before I bought my ticket. I would have probably put my money elsewhere. But my point is, it uh, gets better <laughs> as long as you're prepared to go alone. Is that what the moral of this is? Oh, no, this is... This got dark. Anyway, also, as a side note, I keep telling you I'm trying to end my second season, and I honestly don't know if that's true anymore, because here I am. Look what the cat dragged in. It's old TC, but I had a very good reason. I had a remarkable guest that I was so, so, so happy to talk to, and this conversation did not disappoint. This conversation has one of my favorite moments, which I'll tell you about in a sec, but first, let me introduce my guest, because my guest today is... Francis Plourd. Oh, sweet Francis, straight from Vancouver. Let me read and riff from Francis's totes profesh bio. Francis Plourd is an award-winning journalist from Quebec. He co-produced the podcast Recall, colon, How to Start a Revolution on the Rise and Fall of the FLQ, Quebec's Radical Movement of the 60s. Since Francis joined Radio Canada in 2007, he's worked across the country, mostly in French, sometimes in English. No break, Francis. We get it. You're fluently bilingual. Well done. His work has appeared on investigative programs such as Radio Canada's Enquête and CBC's The Fifth Estate. Wonderful programs. God knows we love the CBC. Plourd is the host and producer of CBC podcasts, The Village, colon, The Montreal Murders. You might already know the first two seasons of that podcast with Justin Ling. It got a lot of well-deserved attention. But on season three of The Village, Francis heads to Montreal, where he explores the convergence of two threats. So we've got the ongoing AIDS crisis in the 90s and a string of murders that appears to be the work of a serial killer targeting queer folks. This series is fascinating. It is a real piece of queer history, of Quebecois history, if you don't know it. And I think you might not because, unfortunately, this is not something you were probably taught in any capacity. And it's probably not something you can find in a whole lot of books. So Francis really dives deep. It is fresh. It is heartfelt. It's a really beautiful piece of work, and I think you're going to love it. So I highly suggest you track it down and listen to it. Of course, all episodes are available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. 
That's The Village Season 3. Back to my conversation with Francis. Francis drops this moment, and I'm I'm not going to spoil it for you, but just say, <laughs> I'm laughing, legitimately laughing, just thinking about it. There is a moment with a nun standing at a door asking and demanding for you to love her, and you do, because this story is so funny. <laughs> I I will treasure it always. Thank you, Francis, for sharing this story with the world. But let's dive in because we want to get real queer and real angry. And God knows that nobody can do that like French Canada. What? What? Hot take. So please enjoy my conversation with the wonderful Francis Plourd. So where are you joining from, Francis? Uh, from Vancouver, actually. Beautiful. What takes you out there? Uh, I live there. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So your home takes you there. Yeah, yeah that's home. Uh, okay. I, I, I've lived here for 15 years. So. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so this is home. Vancouver is so beautiful. And I got the chance to just pre-COVID to go there for work. And I'd been there as a child. But when I went back, I saw there are palm trees year-round. And I was furious. <laughs> <laughs> you want that in Toronto? Yeah, I was like, why are you keeping this a secret? And how is this, how do other people not know? Yeah, that's a very good question. <laughs> sorry, um, it's and... not your fault. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tone it down. I'm sorry. But uh, no, yeah, so I, I moved here uh, 15 years ago. Um, you know, I had the choice between um, going to Ottawa or, or Vancouver uh, at the time. And um, that was for, for school, of course. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a ski bum. So I was like, ah. the hills are better in Vancouver, I'm sure. 100%. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. And yeah. Obviously, I didn't regret it. So Yes, fantastic. Glad you're there. Glad that you're home. Uh, uh, interesting that the ski hills interest you more than the palm trees. So already we have something to argue about. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's the perfect segue. Uh, you're, well, I'm mad, as you can tell. You, I think, have the potential to be because of the hot takes you're laying down already. Uh, so that's why I've called you today here, Francis, because... You know, you've worked um, in so many different media, mediums. Um, you know, you have an expensive microphone, which you've already alluded to. I think it's cheaper than yours. Well, listen. I, I have to correct you. It, it looks fancy, but it's cheaper than yours, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, it just turned into a humble brag for me. But regardless, we are in a position now where we can look back with uh, journalistic authority at things that we didn't understand as children. And one of those things, Francis, you know, you, you've done work talking about serious situations in the 80s, which are a separate podcast, which we can get to. But one of them also was things were making people queer. Um, things were making us queer, so many things we didn't know about. And now that we're adults, we can finally point the finger of blame. So I want to know, Francis, please tell me who and or what made you queer. Oh, geez. Yeah, that question. Eh? Oh, yeah, I came to it. <laughs> you know, I, I have a full list of things. Oh, I um, love this. What a journalist. Yes, yes, exactly. Always be prepared for <laughs> any kind of interview. Um, and I'm not sure that any of them are, are really good. But Oh, uh, I'm sure they're great. You know, well, <laughs> we'll start, right? <laughs> um, I was with like, probably like, and that's, that's the brainy uh, side of me, like uh -huh. epigenetics. Okay, so for the plebes amongst us who might not be familiar, what are epigenetics? 
Yeah, epigenetics, uh, that's basically the, the science of how our uh, genes interact with the environment. Mm. And yeah, that sounds odd, eh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, so tell me more. <laughs> uh, no, it's basically because I have a, a twin brother. Oh. Um, and basically is obviously not queer. Um, we didn't know that we were identical until later in life. Um, so there's been lots of like questions about, uh, you know, where does that come from? So yeah, I blame epigenetics just because of that. Okay, so hang on, because you said obviously not queer, but I will say, I think 60% of the siblings I know where one is queer, the other is also queer. Yes, that's it. Uh, and I think 50% of the cases... Uh, that's what happens. Wow. Um, not in our case. Uh, not in your case, okay. No. Uh, well, he has a wife and three kids, so that would be uh, very surprising. I could shake things up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but yeah, so, so, so I was like, yeah, you know, where does that come from? You know, what made me queer? Um, so yeah, I would say science. Well, uh, fantastic. I mean, if you're going to take down an institution... <laughs> very boring answer, right? <laughs> no, a very broad answer. I mean, how long do we have? Uh, and I have... Well, first of all, I'm going to front load this by saying I stopped taking science class after grade 10. I like sort of light science journalism where they explain things for dumb arts people like me. But basically, if I can wade in here, I've, I read an article that I think said, if you were the slightly younger twin, you're more likely to be queer. Huh. Like by, I, you know, I don't know. But you said you're identical, but you didn't know. No, we didn't know. We were raised as uh, fraternal twins, um, if such a thing exists. Um, ah. which was kind of odd because there were other twin sets, uh, you know, at primary school and high school. And we were just like, uh, they don't look the same. <laughs> and those were identical. And we were just like, right. yeah, you know, how can they be identical? We're not identical. And we look more similar than them. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, hiding hiding in plain sight. Um, so we did our big coming out as, as uh, identical twins uh, five or six years ago. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you had already come out at that point. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know that you can call that come out, really. Like, you know, it's, mm. uh, it's one of those things, you know, I was, I was reflecting yesterday and I was like, I don't think that I can point out like a, a moment, an exact moment where like, you know, I'm doing my coming out and, and ah, big okay. announcement. Yeah. Um, it was more like, you know, um, don't ask, don't tell environment until like, you know, I brought somebody home and was like, oh, surprise. It's, uh, you know, it's not a girl. It's, uh, <laughs> That's right. It's a boy. <laughs> That's right. That's funny because I think now it's very common. I mean, even with personal details, with social media to orchestrate like, I'm announcing something to the world. It's easy to do things definitively like that. But when we were younger, uh, you couldn't do that. Like, I, God knows how many times I came out. Like, every one friend or one situation I chipped through. Yeah, it's, it's really bizarre, right? Um, because often as well, like, people will know before you know yourself. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, so it's kind of this bizarre thing where you're just like, you know, I, I don't know, I'm still figuring out. Yeah. And like, you know, there's somebody from the outside, like, oh, yeah, you're, 
you're queer or you're gay. Right. Um, like you in like your Mitsu t-shirt or something. And you're like, I just, ha- I don't know who I am yet. And they're like, we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and, and, you know, so there, I, I don't remember that it was a big announcement, but as you say, you know, like your life, you know, is, is, you know, a series of little things. <laughs> you go like to the doctor or like to your therapist and all that. And like, you know, yeah, you have to make the, you know, official announcement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But there was no like, you know, single moment where like, oh my God, that was like the moment in my life where, you know, I, I knew when I told the world, um, as you see now, like, you know, in, in movies or pop culture. Right, which is such, and I remember being a little, I mean, now I'm grateful that, people could accept it without like hoopla surrounding it but as a slightly i don't know not it's not rare to be an egocentric teen but as a slightly self-obsessed teen i was always a little disappointed when people were like oh i knew (laughs) (laughs) i was like but i had a whole speech planned (laughs) yeah i i I don't think i had a speech plan even okay no no yeah yeah I'm, I'm terrible at that so you know i i would just like show up with my partner and then like <laughs> okay. oh yeah you know like this guy didn't know <laughs> right and you right. see like you know the eyes like oh what's going on and then <laughs> takes like you know a minute a minute or two and then it's like okay we move on um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you had more of kind of like a sight gag. There was like visual support where they could figure it out. You didn't need a speech. You were fine. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I guess so. And I, I guess a lot of my friends from childhood, like I learned later, uh, were queer themselves. Mm. Um, you know, like one of my best friends from childhood, like, you know, from, I guess, kindergarten to primary school until he moved somewhere else you know i we lost touch and then like you know uh at one moment in my 30s i i opened the newspaper and like you know i see him in full drag and like you know during <laughs> yes. a, a story like it was about i don't know it was a uh, pride in uh, in montreal and like you know he's telling about his experience as, as a drag queen i was like yeah, yeah, that fits the bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I knew there was something about us that uh, we shared. I love it. Okay, so so epigenetics, before we we toddle past that, like, that's a pretty... I mean, when, when did you piece that together? Because it's not like you were aware of epigenetics as a child. So in what way did that filter in? Oh, no. Uh, I think that that would be, like, recently. Uh, <laughs> well, recently, a few years ago. Oh, I see. We're working backwards. You know, we yeah, we were doing therapy, right? We were, <laughs> That's we were, right. We're visiting, like, and reinterpreting the past. Um, I love this. Which I guess is what I do in my job. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it was like, you know, uh, when I figured out, I was, I was, it was like, oh, you know, that's it. That's proof that we're not identical twins. You know? Right. Finally, we got, like, the proof we needed that we're not identical. Um, <laughs> until, you know, like, my partner uh, who works in science and just like, you know, you're, you're, you're both so similar. There, there's something that doesn't work. You can't be just fraternal twins here. Yeah. Um, so it was like, okay, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to do a twin test. And just to show you that I'm wrong. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> um, you, you find them online. You know, there's uh, DNA testing for pretty much everything now. Okay. Um, and it turns out there's there's a big market for that because there's apparently way more twins these days than there used to be in the past and parents want to know for sure um so yeah so we ordered a a twin test online and was like ah you know 
will show you that you're wrong. Um, and then the, the test, you know, finally arrives two weeks later, uh, the result, and, you know, I open the mail and, you know, it's like, oh, oh, okay. You know, wow. 99.99% chance that we're identical. And I was like, that's not possible. <laughs> right. Talk about like a weird, I mean, we think about sort of queerness or sexual identity as an identity defining discovery, but for you, maybe the, the it's rivaled by the discovery you were an identical twin. Exactly. I, I think that's what it is. Did it feel weird or, or did it shift the way you think about yourself? Um, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did actually uh, shift the way I thought about myself, you know, because mm. suddenly, you know, you, you realize you have your, your clone right beside you. And <laughs> that's just that right. Your, your clone is different. Um, uh, as you should not, like, you should not expect that, but right. suddenly you're, you're <laughs> it's like something is wrong. Like, you know, like the copy machine, like, you know, yeah. made some mistakes <laughs> here. Yeah. Yeah. Which one of you should be like the other? Who's the proto, uh, Francis? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm the better version. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I serve that up for you. Uh, well, great. So we're coming off real hot. We're blaming science as as a as a, a topic, as a phenomenon. Where do you go from here, Francis? I well, I don't know. That's a very like you know uh, <laughs> scientific <laughs> and factual answer to your question. That's right. Um, I'm getting into trouble. We're way beyond my area of expertise. So throw me a softball here. Okay. Uh, well, what else do I have? Um, Band camp? Oh my god. Music camp? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm now I'm home. Let's go deep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um I kind of uh, grew up in an interesting environment, uh, you know, like, you know. So when, where were you born? Where are you from? Um I grew up in Saguenay, uh north of Quebec. Beautiful area. Uh yes, you've been there? Uh yeah, I've been there. What? There's a body of water, the Saguenay River, is that right? Yeah, there's a Saguenay River, and then yeah. there's a lake, uh, St. John's Lake. Yes. Uh, so it's a beautiful region, uh, quite isolated uh, as well. Um, mm -hmm. Quite remote, uh, you know, 99% uh, French and, and <laughs> Catholic. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty uniform. Um, but, but yeah, I, you know, I, I grew up in an interesting environment where like, you know, um, we were not into hockey or like, you know, the typical male things like, uh, I have two brothers actually. Mm. Um, but, but Only, one's the twin one is not in the twin situation. Yeah. Is, is the leftover. Okay. Is, the, <laughs> is yeah, not the leftover. I mean, wow. The one left behind. Sure. Uh, sure. Nice save. Out of that. Out of okay. that uh, <laughs> couple that we were, um, okay. not not well, you know. Yeah, uh, damage is done. Damage. Is, so take me back to. to yeah, me. I think it's just getting worse, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> platonic uh, oh. brother and couple. Fantastic. Uh, okay. He's devastated. So this was very French, very Catholic, but not typically sort of masculine coded activities. No, no, exactly. My 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 dad uh, had grown up with a bunch of sisters, and you know, like I had an uncle who had been a figure skater before Ooh. becoming a cop. So, so you know, like I, I don't think they were like typical. Uh, it was a typical environment where, like, you know, there's this expectation for boys, and there's this expectation for for girls, right? Yeah, I also um, need to pause you here because he was a figure skater and then became a cop. Yes, yes. 
that's that's a story that deserves to be told at some point, not necessarily today, but that's a podcast waiting to happen. Oh, I, I think there's a lot. Of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Okay. As you were. Yeah. So 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 yeah. So basically, it was not like a typical like environment where there's this expectation from from boys or girls, which is great. Um, but but yeah, you know, I started doing music and. Um, at some point, I started going to to music camp, like band camp. What um, instrument did you play? Uh, piano. Yeah. Ooh, lovely. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I you know, there, there's something when you're learning it, where like you're just learning the same songs for an entire year, and you just want to shoot yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the end of it, it's it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Um, and and I guess you know, I, I guess going to band camp that was the first time I. I, you know, I realized there were other other kind of models uh, that were not like heterosexual. Yes, and were these were these adults or were these other band camp kids? Uh, adults, I'd say. Oh, you know, yeah. like probably band ga- probably band camp kids as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but you d- you didn't know you were all kind of figuring it out. Yeah, 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 you know, and and it was pretty low on my priorities. Uh, yeah, I guess. Sure, you had a uh, you had not nocturnes to practice, probably. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> How old were you when you went to band camp for the first time? Oh, geez, that was probably like I went from probably the age of thirteen. Ooh, 13, 14, 15. Yeah, yeah, probably twelve or thirteen. Yeah. So that's like sexual awakening era. I guess so. Yes. Kinda. Yeah. You start to notice things you didn't notice before. Did you also have a crush on any of those counselors? No, I don't I don't recall any crush. No, okay. Yeah, I know. You're 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 sad and disappointed. <laughs> I mean some salacious story. Um exactly, but that was pretty like diverse environment and that was like kind of a, an opener that there's there's, you know, like some kind of life outside of, uh, you know, s- suburban or like rural yeah. life. So, but were any of these adults, like these band camp adults, are you thinking of a specific one? Were they out? Um, no, that's the funny thing. Um, it was not openly discussed because I think that was that was a you know a camp for for kids and teenagers, right? Right. Um, but it was kind of visible, like again, like you know, like um, hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Uh, y- you could see like the interactions that there was like something like oh yeah okay you know that's something different from like the interaction of other adults. Like what's um, an example? Oh jeez. Um, <laughs> That's a good question. Was there like a visual identifier, like an article of clothing or a style, or was no, it just well, the, okay? Yeah, I guess I guess it was like you know the the way some of them dressed, which was a, a little bit more extravagant. Mm-hmm. A little ascot here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but not like you know like not like pink or like you know like rainbow colored. Um, Items, I, I yeah. think you know that that was not the style, and that's not really the style like in in those regions. Um, maybe now, but <laughs> right, right, maybe now. Uh, of course, acknowledging like w- queer people are not queer because of what they wear or the way they behave or things like that. But sometimes, as a result of being queer, we present ourselves in specific ways. So they can be little sort of like dog whistles to one another. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I didn't like I was an observer more than you know I was. Uh, yeah, part of those interactions. Um, I see. But yeah, it's 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 this hard to define 
way of interacting with uh, you know females and like you know other males and like, just like you know later on I, I became camp counselor at that camp and you know like you would have like the partner you know coming you know to pick up the laundry and like oh yeah okay that's 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 right. pretty clear go. sign <laughs> uh, or like you know we would have like two teachers coming and then like you know they would come together and then you would have organized like separate rooms for them and we're like no we, we, we want the same room yeah no and, bunk you know, beds thank like, you it takes us two <laughs> seconds to compute oh yeah okay <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know, totally like, um but yeah it turns out i think like the, the music world is pretty open to um to queer people and to people who are like just a little bit different from uh, you know f from like the mainstream oh yeah um, i think when you think because was this in the summertime yeah that was summertime yeah yeah see this i mean there you go this is like when you picture camp it's like canoeing and i don't know like making crafts and things and versus like going into the woods or wherever you went to play piano in a room with no windows like it's a special type of kid who does that yeah yeah and and it's totally not like american pie <laughs> <laughs> okay noted you know like the perception of american pie like with all those kids who are like super nerds and then you know they, they all turn and then, out like to a be sex like, party sex obsessed like you know <laughs> people it's like yeah no 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 Did, no that didn't happen that wasn't that. <laughs> just, just scales, just scales. And I love that not only... So those people existed for you as a kid, uh, and then you became that. So um, queer grooming works. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's the reason. <laughs> you Made Me Queer will be right back. And now, back to more You Made Me Queer. I appreciate you bringing heavy hitters. So science, uh, camp, we'll say camps in general, but music. yeah, all of music. We're talking about the, the grand arts and sciences here. So you were 12 and 13. And where do we go next, Francis? Oh, um, yeah, the next one is a big one as well. Um, <laughs> I'd say the church. Oh my God. What, Catholicism? Yes, Catholicism. Oh yes. boy. Yeah, so I was raised very Catholic too, so I know of which you speak. Oh, were you an altar boys? I was an altar boy. Well. I know, so kinky, right? <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did they force you to, to wear a robe as well? Yeah, I had to wear the robe. Um, and a funny story about that, so I was only an altar boy at a small church. We had a little cabin kind of north of Toronto. So when we went there on the weekend, I would be an altar boy at this little church. And there were like max 50 people in the congregation. So sometimes I'd be wearing my big winter boots when I was the altar boy under my robe. And I wouldn't tie the laces on these boots. So I remember one time walking up the procession with like the big golden cross in my hand and feeling very like this is my theater moment and then i tripped on my own laces oh no <laughs> and yeah and then fell towards a pew and i'm holding this golden cross which when you turn it to the side is basically like an axe uh and like so tripped and it swung down towards people in a pew and people audibly screamed uh, and I did not, not chop anyone, thank God, uh, but I was absolutely humiliated. And uh, I don't think I got to be an altar boy for much longer after that. So, so do you remember if they fired you after that? If they can't, I don't know that they can afford to fire altar boys. I think um, I, that's right. I don't think there's like a line out the door for altar boys. Um, but I think they like, they stopped asking me. 
and I stopped requesting it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Do, were you an altar boy too? Uh, yeah, with, of course, with my brother. Oh, um, yeah, perfect. Did you like process as twins? Yes. We oh, did. just as God intended. Beautiful. Yes, yes. You know, like two kids similar, right beside, <laughs> like, you know, this priest, like preaching God's word. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, we were also readers, um, you know. Oh, I mean, you yes. Know, where, like, you have to to go to the pew and, like, uh, read stories. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we did that for many years. Um, I, I think that's because we had to go to church um, every week. That was the rule. And we were just like... Okay, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get bored, like, you know, we're getting bored, like, you know, having to sit for an hour and listening to, like, this guy telling us, like, you know, about religion and morality and all that. So, so I, I think that's how we signed up to become, like, altar boys. Right, it's just something to do. Yes, yeah, <laughs> something to do. And, you know, <laughs> like, you feel important. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we did that for a couple of years. Um, but you know, I, I think there's something very queer about like, you know, Catholic mass. Um, oh, please do tell. And also what age, so I think you told me what age, but how, like, did you already feel a conflict with you and Catholicism? It, that's a funny thing. Not, not really, you know, like, I, I know like in the bigger world of like the church, like, you know, there's, there's all kinds of policies that are just like you know, abortion or like, you know, um, priest celibacy, like, you know, gay marriage and all those things. But um, it, it was a surprisingly like safe environment mm. in the sense that, you know, like sex was never approached, you know, like, oh, which wasn't was, talked about. There was never in any like, you know, uh, preaching against like, you know, uh, queer people or like, you know, anything like that. It was just like, We'll pretend it doesn't exist. Right. You know, this this huge aspect of life, you know, yeah. we're never gonna talk about it. Totally. Um, um yeah, so, so so you know, I you know, I and you know, of course, you know, in retrospect you, you look at it and it's like, okay, no, that, that was that was a bit fucked up, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, a bit but, yeah pretending you know, but, I don't exist but, is a little <laughs> fucked up, but as you were. <laughs> but you know, like, but it, it's not just like you know, it, it's pretending that sex sex doesn't exist, right? You yeah. know, like the Virgin Mary, you know, she she never had any any sex before, like giving birth to Jesus. Yeah, and the idea that that's like, thank God she didn't have to, because that's like a soiling of the body. So if only we could all just immaculately conceive. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that's where I think, you know, the Catholic Church, as opposed to other churches, is kind of um, uh, for equal opportunities. Like, you know, everybody has to suffer. Yes, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the one model of equity. Everyone is d d screwed up. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go to hell. You need to repent for your sins. If you if you haven't ha like done any sin, like you need to invent some because yes. you need to go see like, you know, the, the priest. Um, <laughs> but I just feel like, you know, the, the church has been invented by, you know, some kind of queer guy, you know, like, you know, just a ceremony, you know, like telling like the male priest, you, you're not going to have sex with anyone. You're not going to get married. Um, you're going to wear a robe, you know, and you're going to okay. process with a group of men, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The idea of, like, the gendered, the gendered costumes, it's a bit like, hang on a minute. <laughs> so all the men have to go over here and all the women have to go over here and they're going to dress the same. It does sound a bit kinky. 
yeah it, it does like you know like somebody had this fantasy you know like and and it's just like you know i'm gonna make it real and you know see if people follow me <laughs> that's right um, a bit of theater every sunday yeah exactly <laughs> you know and and you know um acknowledging you know a man who never got married who had like you know it's 12 true. apostles with him um, <laughs> right. you know, and, and, you know, like at the, the, the night before, you know, he was arrested, you know, one of them, you know, jo just come to him and like, you know, kisses him and then, you know, betrays him. Um, yeah, something very queer in there. I feel like that's, you just described the plot line of season one of Queer's Folk. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So you're not, you're not wrong. And why did you stop being an altar boy? Oh, I, that's a good question. I, I don't know. You know, I, I feel sometimes I'm, a, I'm a little bit like Canada, like, you know, how some people say that Canada is a country of geography, but no, no real history. And, you know, when you, when you ask someone like, you know, oh, you know, when, when was Canada created, mm. you know, and you're just like, I don't know, you know, there was a confederation, but that was not really a country. And, you know, it was like 1980, maybe, you know, like, so <laughs> I, I feel often my life is a bit like that, you know, like, okay. you know, like if you go like to Europe and they have all those battles and it's like, that was the moment. Oh, yes, I the see. The US is the same thing. Um, and, and with like church, um, I, I can't really say there was a moment like, you know, I, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Um, you didn't almost chop someone's head off like me. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a story like that. That's a really good one. Um, but no, it was probably around like 14 or 15 uh, okay. that we just stopped uh, going, um, you know, as, as many people do. I feel like that's very in line with you, the way you said you didn't really like come out you you just sort of uh you don't need the drama you just kind of coast through you just go with the flow um. i like that <laughs> i respect that okay and so, so when you kind of drifted out was there anything that felt like ah, it's probably time for me to stop doing this um, I, not a moment but like a general feeling yeah i think i think yes there was probably a general feeling at some point where like okay, you know, that's it, time to time to move on. Mm -hmm. But I, I can't recall, like, there was a specific moment uh, where it was just like, that's it, I'm, I'm done, you know. Yeah, um, gotcha. I still go to church, like, once a year, you know, around, like, Christmas, and it's always fun. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also, you know, like, I grew up also in, a, in an interesting environment where, like, you know, uh, the schools were Catholic as well until, like, they changed for something else. Um, you know, the sex ed teacher, um, at our school was a former nun. Oh boy. So you learned nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh no, that was pretty bad. That, yeah. that was pretty bad. Like, you know, um, I remember a couple of like, you know, the ways she, she taught about like things, you know, like you, that was way over the top, you know, like, um, please, please give me an example. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, no, I have a couple of examples of that. Um, it was like, you know, oh, if, if you, if you like someone, you know, like what you do is that you approach them and you, you, you know, offer them something. And she was like, do you want chips? <laughs> <We're just> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so if you like someone, you offer them chips. That's, that's real number one. You offer them chips. Um, ah, wow. So that's why she we, went into the sisterhood. <laughs> no one gave her a, a good offer of chips. 
Well, she actually met her husband, like, uh, who was a priest, and, like, they, they left the church together. Oh, um, snap. But, yeah, I remember sex ed was, was just this bizarre, absurdist thing. Like, I think it should be turned into a movie. Um, <laughs> you know, she was teaching us about condoms and how to use condoms. Oh, um, that's pretty progressive for Catholicism. Yeah, that was pretty metaphorical as well. Yeah. Um, you know, she used the analogy of a door. So she would get outside of the classroom and pretend that she was a giant spermatozoid. Okay. And she was like, I'm a spermatozoid. And, you know, like... <laughs> you could just she... imagine this moment, walking down the hallway, and you're like, uh, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> and then she enters a door. The door is open. <laughs> I, can, I can enter. Right. And, and the classroom was a vagina, of course. Oh, um, of course. So, so she, <laughs> she entered. <laughs> She closed the door and she was like, I'm a spermatozoid. The door is closed. I can't enter. I'm obsessed with this woman. This is great. She sounds pro-queer to me. Uh, yeah, you know, like, and at the same time, you had stories about, like, you know, like, queer people, like, oh, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with that. But, wow. you know, I saw one the other day and he had, like, pantyhose. And that was just so bizarre. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, so you know, there was a mix of, like, shaming at the same time telling you it's it's okay. It's this double speak, like, in uh, 1984. Yes, um, <laughs> yes. Catholicism, well, first of all, when I was a child for sex ed, which was, like, I don't know, a week in our curriculum, and I think it was in our religion class, which didn't make sense. But we were separated by gender into different rooms. And you only learned about your own body. Oh. So great thing I'm queer because like... You got the best education out there, right? Yeah, it was like, this is this is my area that I'm going to be involved with. Whereas like <laughs> the other cis males were like, cool, but what happens when we're with a female? Can you tell us about any of those parts? And... No, that was not discussed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. For, for us, it was like co-ed, at least. Well done. But I, I don't think there was like too much risk with using the analogy of the door and the spermatozoids. Uh, <laughs> Please be here for Halloween one year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll dress as a, as, a, as a giant spermatozoid. And That's make, right. And make that comparison. With a, a nun's a wimple, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you had a weird uh, snapshot of Catholicism where it was sort of a don't ask, don't tell, but then like really selectively progressive, um, but then still like stereotypical with pantyhose and like just a weird sort of cartoon of queerness. Yeah, and I guess so. And I guess I was the 90s as well, right? I was born in, in 1983 and like, you know, wherever you look. We're at, the same age. You know, we are, okay. Um, so yeah, you probably, you know, have the same kind of like experience with like pop culture, probably different as well. Cause like, you know, I, I grew up in French, so like, you, yeah. there's lots of like pop culture references that I still don't get today. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're not missing much. Yeah. I'm already pretty bad like, with pop culture stuff. I'm, you know, you, you add another level, you know, um, <laughs> yes. but, but. Um, but when it comes like to queer representation in the in the nineties, I mean that was pretty bad. Oh yeah, 
you were a cartoon or like you were sort of um, a man with a purse or you were hiding in the bushes ready to like steal children. Yeah, pretty much. Or, you know, you were, you know, like there was always this queer character uh, that was integrated into a story. So he could either do a, a very dramatic coming out yeah. uh, where like his parents would disown him, whatever. Um, or he could catch HIV yeah. and and eventually two or three episodes later die um, in horrible conditions. Yeah, and he would be the ca- or he or she or they would be the cautionary tale for the other characters, like th- uh, who dies to teach them all something about their lives, and then they go off. Exactly, um, exactly, and, and you know, I I think that's why for me it was like you know I didn't see myself like in any of those like stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So I think for me it was like, well, that's that's not me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, did that make you just feel like okay, this isn't speaking to me, or were you looking for that representation? Uh, I think it was just like you know um, that that's pretty sad in retrospect, but I I think that was one of those things like okay, you know, this is what a queer person is. Uh, you know, that's that's not me. Uh, so yeah, therefore, it, you know, it can't, you know, I, I can't be that kind of person. Right. And, but it was not like, you know, Ooh, you know, that's, that's so bad. It was just like, I don't feel like, you know, that reflects who I am. Like, you know, yeah. I don't feel like I, I have a mental illness or like, you know, a yeah, tragic right. upbringing or like, you know, a tragic future in my life. I was just like, you know, I have, I have dreams. I want to travel. I want to do this and that. Yeah. Um, so, so I think it just like um, made it to me. So it was on the back burner, but it was not like, you know, front and center. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, you had some of those uh, nice role models you talked about at Bandcamp, too. <laughs> the people who weren't tragic or comic or anything. They were just boring people. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was all, like, coded. So you, you mm, need to understand, right. like, those codes. Yeah. And if you if you don't get them, <laughs> yeah. then you're just like, yeah, yeah, good luck, kid. It makes sense why you go into the line of work that you do now, where you're you're piecing together stories, you're finding themes, you're sort of reading subtext and things like that. You had to. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I think that's super helpful, like in, yes. in my work now. Um, you know, because uh, you know, since you, you you struggled so much, you know, as a, as a teenager, like to understand all those things and how they work together, like you know. Um, I think it prepares you better, like for for that kind of role, and makes you think uh, outside of, of of the box, you know. Yes, um, when partnered with uh, a good psychotherapist, yes, <laughs> 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 you gotta have both. <laughs> yes, yes, you need you need you need a bit of that as well. Yeah, you know it. Um, so so that's another good one. So we blamed, uh, well, so we can say French. Catholicism, with very special mention to that nun who I continue to be obsessed with. Anything else, Francis, that you want to throw under the bus? Um, oh, you know what? I think Short Bus would be a good one. Short Bus, the film, John Cameron Mitchell's film. Yeah, that that came later. Um, so great. That came later. That was not like childhood or anything. But well, which is good because you should not. I mean, I'm very sex positive, but you should not be watching that as a child. No, <laughs> no, no, definitely not. And no. uh, you know, I'm not sure that if I watched it today, I would have like the same kind of like reaction. Well, uh, it's very coincidental. I just had the lovely Sookie and Lee on the show 
who hosted the 4K restoration or did a Q&A for uh, a restoration of Short Bus in Toronto. So I just watched it about a week and a half or two weeks ago. So it is fresh in my mind. Was it a disappointment? No. Do you know what? I liked it. I liked it when I first saw it and I liked it much more now. Oh, okay. Because okay. to be honest, the sex, well, I think the first time I saw it, I don't know, it was early 20s. The sex felt really salacious to me and distracting. And uh, that was not at all my experience recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember that the sex was so salacious. Like, it, mm. it was more, um, I think it was more like how people were connecting together. And yeah, like, you were more uh, mature you know, than you, I am. You had like, well, <laughs> you know, but I watched it probably in my early 20s. I, when did I watch it? Um 2006 or 2007 I don't know if uh it had just come out or or any or it was um a couple of years old okay that would make sense because um, it came out in 2006 okay so I I watched it like you know shortly after it was released uh on DVD mm -hmm. very small screen oh um so I don't think you know I, <laughs> I saw all the details that you <laughs> okay. would see you know in a giant screen yeah. uh but I felt like you know oh wow that's that's actually a great representation of queer life i thought um i was like wow okay you know like you feel like you're part of something and um no i uh, yeah so that was that was one of my uh, um you know movies that i remember as like okay that was kind of a, an awakening so um, explain that a little more like apart the f from the fact that there's definitely a lot of queer sex in the film and like sort of different pairings but what about that are, are you saying that the sexual aspect of community yeah it was it was not like no no i don't i don't feel like i would like to to do a big orgy like you know with a group of people uh no no uh, <laughs> not at all not but that i think not that. no uh but it was a sex positivity around it um mm, yeah you know like sukin lee was playing the the sex therapist who was like pretty open about her problems uh getting an orgasm and all that i was like wow okay you know like I think that was a realization that you can talk openly about mm. those topics mm -hmm. um, without, you know, shaming or judgment or like giggling. Um, I, and I think that's the part of it that that kind of uh, I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and you know, to me, that was like you know, this movie in an indie section. I only realized later the um, cultural impact that it had. Yeah. Or like the fact that it was a cult movie or like huge yeah you know and for me it was just like this discovery of like what am i gonna watch like this friday like, <laughs> oh oh that sounds interesting yeah um you know <laughs> for me it was i was an enormous uh hedwig and the angry inch fan and then john cameron mitchell came out with short bus and i was like oh i'll i love his work so of course i'm going to watch this um, and what you're talking about is very much my experience recently. I think I had s sex was still so taboo for me as an early 20 something that I think that's part of the reason I was I had the experience I did watching the film the first time also with friends. So it was a bit weird for me at the time, like, oh, we're all watching this together. But yeah, to see it again, to see I don't think there's a moment in that film when someone shames someone else's kink or someone's idea of sex or intimacy it's very pro everything yeah yeah pretty much and and i think there's a good cast of like characters well it's still very very white but yeah there's, it's pretty white there's a 
good casts of of kings. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, <laughs> I agree. would say you know like there's the uh, BDSM and there's yeah. like the dominatrix, right? And there's uh, you know like um, a bunch of uh, gay guys as well. But there's there's all kinds of uh, representations in there. Yeah. Um, which I thought was was great um at the time but but yeah no like you know like the um the the, the giant sex scene at the end um in in the room it was like pretty much my idea of a nightmare okay um, <laughs> for, from from which angle like the social aspect or it just sounds tiring oh it, yeah it, i think it, i think it's it's a mix of both right it's yeah. a mix of like it sounds very tiring yeah a lot of work uh it sounds very like uncomfortable yeah. um you know like <laughs> Sure. Some things are better left for, like, you know, to imagination. There you um, go. Well, that, that's why um, that film exists. You know, you... That, that's a fantasy. I was just like, yeah, I, I, I don't want that fantasy. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but I appreciate that it's out there on the film. Um, yes. <laughs> it's interesting the, what sex is, how sex is, you know, very much a cipher for so many things in our lives, power and connection and intimacy. And it becomes something that we, I mean, you've talked about, sort of your queerness and growing up, something that can be kind of all defining when really it's this very human idea of two people or a room full of people, in some cases, coming together. Yeah, pretty much, uh, pretty much. But, I, you know, at the same time, I think instinctively, like, you know, from the moment that I was a kid, like the idea of like two people together, like, you know, I, I don't think there was a, a sense that it could only be this, uh, mm. you know, I. I Clearly, I was like, you know, um, you know, when they say love is love now. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, yeah, you know, like, you know, if you kiss someone on the street, you know, it's not a statement. It's because you love that person. I, I think that was kind of my approach. I don't know that I related to, you know, like two guys as a kid, but I was yeah. like, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I didn't realize yet that it applied to me. Mm -hmm. um, which I think is, you know, the case with uh, quite a few people. Yeah, no, I think so. Also, it's interesting because I think, I mean, one of, uh, it's not a stereotype, but even like French Canada, I think, I would think is a little more liberal sometimes than other parts of Canada, or that that was my view growing up, like more, they're more European. So The crazy nights of Montreal. Yes, yes, uh, you know. You know, you, you go on St. <laughs> Catherine Street and, you know, you see all those uh, windows with like, dancers and, and gay pubs or like you know, yes. gay clubs, right? A hundred percent. All the clubs. But but I think but I think it's it's very Montreal. Um I think if if you go in different regions That's true. Um, there is gonna be acceptance, but it's just gonna be at, at a different level. Yeah. Um, you know, um and 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 I, I think, you know, queer life in rural areas is is more like, you know, um, hiding in plain sight or just like you know it's there but we don't make a big fuss around it yeah that's um, a very good point whereas if you're in a city uh and montreal is a pretty good example because like you had like you know a bunch of people like coming not just from from quebec but from from elsewhere like you know in the u.s and and english canada like to to live their life right um so yeah we have that perception of montreal being super super open and quebec being more liberal on that front but i i I, I think it's a perception that is um, sometimes misconstrued because of, uh, of the fact that we think of Quebec as as being Montreal. That's um, absolutely right. 
yeah. not, not, you know, like also like the rest of the province. Right, which is very different in very different parts. You were out there in Saguenay with a, a figure skating cop for an uncle. So God knows it was a different vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so Francis, before I let you go, and I would love to keep talking, but we are almost out of time. Would you like to play a game? Sure. Great. Okay, what kind of game? <laughs> I just saw you slightly tense. <laughs> yes, surprise. I, I don't know how to react when I'm faced <laughs> with a surprise. That's that's what it is. So this game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Queerer, Queerist! Okay. I'm going to give you three things. Your job is to put them in order from least to most queer and tell me why. Okay. 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 How do you define queer? I mean, that that is the cipher, my friend. That's, okay. Yeah, use your uh, journalistic integrity to tell me. So thing number one, public transit with rubber wheels. Okay, and that's supposed to be queer. Well, I don't know. Is it least queer? Is it most queer? It's relative. With rubber wheels. With rubber wheels, like you might see in Montreal. You're not talking about buses. You're talking about public transit, like in trains. Well, it could be, I mean, buses, certainly rubber wheels. It, um, as that extends across the public transit spectrum, rubber, rubber wheels. Okay, okay, we're, we're inclusive in our definition of public transit here. That, that's right, it gets better. And, and transit positive, okay. Yeah, th- you get it. Okay, thing okay. number two, stop stalling. Thing number two is family-style food service. Oh, okay. So instead of getting your own plate, there's like one big bowl of spaghetti for the table and you all just kind of pick. Okay. Okay. I had a different image in my mind, uh, oh, a different okay. anecdote, but okay, I'll <laughs> okay. keep that for myself. <laughs> well, I'll well, leave that to yeah. imagination. That's in the deleted scenes. Okay. So yeah. thing number three, that phenomenon when you wake up just before your alarm goes off. Huh. Okay. So to quickly recap... Public transit, any public transit with rubber wheels, family-style food service, and the phenomenon of waking up just before your alarm clock, least to most queer, and why? Oh, geez. Okay. You know, I, I really don't like that phenomenon uh, where you wake okay. up just before like, the <laughs> alarm like goes off. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's queer. Okay, the least <laughs> queer. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I love that. I guess you so, like your sleep. It's my least favorite um, of all those three. Mm-hmm. Um, family style food service. Any any type of food, like you know, Italian, <laughs> uh, Thai. Um, you tell me. You can choose. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess I'll go for the family style food service as, okay. as being um, queer. Um, yeah. Just because you don't know what kind of family it is, like, you know, um, I get it. It could it's be kind a dysfunctional like family. It could be <laughs> like, you know, um, it could be, yeah, it could be, um, you know, angry grandma or like evil grandma and, and, and good grandma together. And, and, and that create like some kind of, uh, you know, uh, flames in there. Um, and that would be really, really, really queer. Yeah. A lot of drama and tension, but it could also be a family of accountants. Um, no offense to accountants, but, uh, all my accountant listeners just unsubscribed. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, and that's interesting because it is also kind of potentially like that scene in Short Bus at the end. That's a bit of family style food service. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
<laughs> that I would want to do that with my yeah. family. Yeah. I'm not going to go to that restaurant with my family. No, no. Uh, it could be chosen family. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. So <laughs> There's a chance that the family breaks up after that. That's right. Uh, it's the last supper. The last supper for grandma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that makes queerest rubber wheels. Yeah, I think so. I think it's very inclusive. It can include like trains, buses, um, um, motorbikes with oh, yeah. a trailer behind. I mean, um, yeah, that's uh, that's open to imagination. I love that. That's the new symbol. Could be planes as well. It could be planes. planes. Well. Everyone loves yeah. a rubber wheel. Whatever you want to be. Boats on a trailer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, this uh, Lady Duck in Ottawa as well. That's pretty queer. That's probably the queerest of all. Did you say Lady Duck? Yeah, the Lady Duck. You know, what? the, um, you know, it's this, uh, this, it's this tour bus that transforms into like a boat. <laughs> yes. We, in Toronto, it's, I think it's called the Hippo Bus. Oh, Like yeah. Hippopotamus. So yeah. Lady the, Duck <laughs> is, that's, that's a great drag name, first of all. I th yeah, I think so. I think I yeah. think that deserves the title of queerest. Perfect. For sure. Well, you've convinced me. So let me just check your marks. One, two, three, four, five. Congratulations, Francis. You got one hundred percent. You are in fact a queer person. Do I win something out of that? Or? Yeah, yeah. Keep checking the mail, but don't hold your <laughs> breath. <laughs> so before I let you go, anything you want to plug? Uh, well, yeah, just listen to uh, our podcast um, The Village The Montreal Murders uh, Season 3 um, it's about a series of murders uh, that happened in, in Montreal in the late uh, late 80s early 90s um, it's about more than, than that of course it's about um, a community rising up for, uh, for their rights and it's a piece of history that I think any queer person should know about and even if you're, you're not queer I think that's that's an important piece of Canadian and Quebecer history. Yes, absolutely, 100%. So please go listen to that, The Village, The Montreal Murders. You might have heard of this show before. It's So it's season three. Francis has taken over from Justin Ling. It's a fantastic show. Please listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. And I want to thank you so much, Francis, because when this conversation started, I was very queer. And speaking with you has made me queerer than ever. Well, thanks for having me. Um, it, it's been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. It was my pleasure. Go tell those Vancouver palm trees I say hi. Okay, I'll make sure I do that. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Okay, honey badgers, that is our show. Uh, you can mail me at youbanebequeer at gmail.com. I love to hear from you. You can also send me a postcard. Uh, but I'm not giving you my address on this podcast. That is inviting who knows what misadventure. So you can figure it out. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That is how podcasts grow and get heard by more people. It's actually very important. So thank you in advance. And that's it. So as my favorite uh, spermatosa impersonating nun would say, cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created and produced by me, Trevor Campbell. Our editor is Sean Ben Beaton. Our theme song is by Critty. For more of her music, check out lavenderbruises.bandcamp.com. Our website is www.youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out, oh, I don't know, normally every other Thursday, and it seems like I'm almost keeping up with it. And from the bottom of my big bent heart, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember, we're here, we're queer, and it's your fault!